For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Williams. I get to serve here as the lead pastor, and it is so good to have you here this morning. And I want to take just a moment to just look at the camera and just say a special welcome to everybody who's joining us online. We are so glad that you're here, whether you're here live in this moment with us or whether you're watching this sometime later on demand. We're so glad that you're here. And I know that everybody here in this room wants you to know that we love you and we welcome you here. So congregation, can we just welcome our online uh, congregation this morning? Whether you have been around here for a long time or whether this is your very first Sunday with us, we want to make sure that every single person knows that we are an everyday church for everyday people, and we are striving in this church to follow Jesus, to live generously, and to make a difference. And I want you also to know that none of us in this church have arrived. We don't have it all figured out. We don't have all the answers. We don't know all there is to know. And every single one of us in this community has room to grow. And and because of that, we have committed ourselves to be what we call a next step community. We believe in coming alongside one another in repeated ways just to say, what's the next step in your journey? And let's take that next step. We believe the most important step in your spiritual journey is the next one. Doesn't matter how many steps you've taken, the most important one is the next one that God is leading you into. And so we constantly want to invite you into those next steps. And some of you maybe took a next step today by being here. Maybe someone invited you and you decided to take the courageous step of coming to church. Or maybe you uh, just came on your own. Maybe no one invited you. You just felt that you were supposed to be in church today and you came. Or maybe you tuned in online because you sensed the Spirit just drawing you into this. Even if you did didn't know that it was the Spirit of God drawing you. You just decided to check it out. That's taking a next step. Some of you have been coming on Sunday mornings, and we want to invite you to take a next step of getting involved in a small group, because we believe that the best thing that you can do out of this large group gathering is get connected to a small group of other people who are on the journey, so that you can have someone to encourage you and pray with you and study the scriptures with, and you can grow and take those next steps together. Some of you have made public commitments to Christ. In fact, just since the beginning of September here in our community, we've had 20 people that we know of that have made commitments to follow Jesus Christ for the first time in their lives. God's at work, and you might be one of those 20 people. You might be one of the people who made a commitment to Christ, and you didn't raise your hand, and you didn't let us know that that was you, and that's okay because that commitment to Christ really is a personal commitment that you are making, but but what we know is that a next step for you is going public with your faith in baptism. And so we'll invite you to take that next step. In fact, coming up on November 13th, we've got a next step opportunity for baptism. And so if you're here and you've made a commitment to Christ and you've never publicly professed your faith through baptism, we want to invite you to do that on November the 13th. And and if you're wondering whether you should do it or not, at least have a conversation with me or with Pastor Jared or Pastor Jessica and just let us walk with you in that conversation to see if that might be the thing that you need to do next. We are a next step community. None of us have arrived. We all have room to grow and we're just inviting you to join us on this journey full of next steps. And so we hope that you will do that. 
This morning, we are wrapping up a message series that we've been in since the beginning of September. It's the message series that we've entitled Conversations with Jesus. And we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we've been looking at interactions that Jesus has with individual people, sometimes with small groups of people, sometimes with larger crowds. But, but at every turn, Jesus is engaged in conversation with people. And we've been looking at these conversations to see what we can learn about Jesus, what we can learn about his message and his mission and his calling for our lives, and we've been kind of exploring what these conversations have to say about our lives in today's world. And we've walked through several of these conversations, and we've come to the end of our journey today. And I just want to encourage you to say that this is the end of the series, but it shouldn't be the end of the conversation. Right? My hope and my prayer throughout this series is not just that we would know these conversations in the Gospel of John, but that our conversations with Jesus would be reignited. And that for some of us, we would start a conversation with Jesus that we've never had before. And my hope and prayer remains that for each and every one of us, as we've walked through this series, our love for Jesus would grow and develop, that we would open ourselves to his transforming power, and that ultimately we would all follow Jesus and become just like him. Today we come to the last conversation in this series, and it's found in John chapter 15. So if you have a Bible, whether it's one of those old-fashioned paper copies or whether it's one on your device, we just want you to turn to John chapter 15 so you can follow along. And if you don't have a Bible, we want to encourage you to stop at our Welcome Center on your way out this morning. We'd love to put a Bible in your hand. And for those of you who don't have a Bible today, you can direct your attention to the screen because the words are going to be there. This is a conversation in John chapter 15 that Jesus has. And conversation might be an overstatement because there's not actually dialogue in this passage. The disciples don't say anything to Jesus. Jesus is just talking to them. He's sharing with them something of critical importance that he wants them to understand. And in this conversation of about 16 verses that we're gonna read, Jesus talks about farming talks about gardening and, and how to care for these vines and these branches. And, and he talks about the fact that the people he's talking to aren't slaves or servants, they're friends. And he invites them to a deeper level of connection and communion with him. And then, most importantly, talks to them about fruit. And so I want to encourage you to just follow along in John chapter 15. Again, the words are on the screen for us. I am the true grapevine, Jesus says. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. 
When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. I want to begin at the end of this passage, and I want to just talk about the goal that Jesus has for each and every one of our lives. And the, the, the last part of this passage, verse 16, really lays out the goal for each and every one of us, those who are already walking with Jesus and those who are not yet walking with Jesus. God has one big goal in our hearts and, and, and for our lives. He, he wants us to bear fruit. God wants us to bear fruit. That is his desire for our lives. Look, if you will, at the very next uh, slide up here, verse 16. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is the goal that God has for each and every one of us, that, that we would produce lasting fruit that would bring glory and honor to the Father. This is what he desires for each and every one of us. But if you're like me, you start asking the question, what kind of fruit? Right? Like, what, what is the fruit that Jesus has in mind? What, what kind of fruit is he trying to produce in our lives that will last and that will actually point people to him, that will show him to the world what is the fruit that he wants? And I think there are at least two kinds of fruit that I think Jesus has in mind and that I think the New Testament refers to. And the first kind of fruit is what I would call Christ-like character. That when we think about what does Jesus want to do in each and every one of our lives, what is he trying to accomplish in us? He is actually trying to change our lives so that we will look like him. This is what Jesus is up to in our lives. He's trying to transform us and shape us. So we're told in John chapter 1 verse 12 that when we believe in Jesus, we are given the right to be called children of God. And in Romans chapter eight, we're told how this happens, that the very spirit of God, the third person of the triune God comes to live in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us when we become God's children. And in that moment, that spirit, the spirit of God testifies with our spirit that we are adopted into God's family, that we have become God's children. And it's through that Holy Spirit in our lives that we can call God Father. But the Spirit isn't just about adopting us into God's family. The Holy Spirit is about transforming us into the image and character of Jesus Christ. We see this as Paul uh, kind of writes about what the Spirit does in our lives in Galatians chapter 5. 
In Galatians chapter five, he says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. In other words, the way that we live our lives as sinful human beings, the things that we just naturally do because we are born into sin, those acts are obvious and they cut against the grain of God's character and God's nature. They miss the mark of what God has planned for our lives. But Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. In other words, if you live your life the way you were born, you will live life missing the mark that God has for you. But when you become a child of God and the spirit of God lives in you, the spirit produces the fruit of Christ-like character in your life. And what God has invited each and every one of us into is becoming the kind of person that looks like Jesus. One person has described spiritual formation and discipleship as learning to live our lives as if Jesus were living our lives. That's what it means to walk in relationship with Jesus, to become like him. And I think this is one of the the, the fruits that Jesus wants to produce in our lives, the fruit of Christ-like character. But Jesus did not come just to change us. He did not come just to make us like Jesus. He came to do that, but it's more than that. He came to actually use us for his purposes in the world. And that's the second kind of fruit that I think he calls us to, the fruit of what I'm calling Christ-oriented influence. In other words, that we would go out in the world and live like Jesus so that when people see our lives, they see Jesus in us. But beyond that, we would actually have opportunity to use our influence in the lives of others to point them to Jesus. Right? And we learn that this is what Jesus desires when he calls his first disciples. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, he says, come follow me. And, and that phrase seems like a short, simple invitation. But what Jesus is saying is, I want you to live your life with me so that you can hear my teaching and learn from my ways and actually become like me. So come follow me, the fruit of Christ-like character, And I will send you out to fish for people. In other words, you're going to be transformed, but I want to use you to be influential and transformative in the world around you. It's not just becoming like Jesus. It's being used to point others to Jesus. And God's great goal for our lives is that when our lives are over, people would say, He looked like Jesus and helped other people follow Jesus. Or she looked like Jesus and she helped other people follow Jesus. This is what he wants for our lives. You see, some of us tend to get caught up on one side or the other. We think that that all God cares about is the transformation of our lives. And so we focus in on the fact that we're part of God's family and we've been made into new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. And we work on seeing God transform our lives to make us more like Jesus. And then there are other people who maybe spend less time thinking about their own personal transformation. They just want to tell as many people as possible about Jesus. And so it's the age old battle between discipleship or evangelism. And I want to just say, we're all called to both. 
This is the fruit that God has planned for our lives, that we would become more and more like him and we would help others follow and find him in this world. This is what we are called to do. And Jesus makes it really, really clear. You did not choose me. I chose you and I've appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. This is what you and I are called to do. And so then the question becomes, how do we live that kind of fruitful life? And I think that's what this conversation is really about. So when we go back and we look at the rest of this conversation, I think Jesus talks about three key things that ought to be part of a fruitful life. And I want to walk through them very quickly this morning. The first one is connection. Connection. When we read John chapter 15 and we look at verses four and five, we read these words, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't know about you guys, but we used to sing this crazy song when I was a kid in Sunday school. You are the vine, we are the branches. Remember all that? Do you guys do that at all? You guys look like you are dead today. Everybody doing okay? Oh, they're all Alabama fans. It could be the case. I know we have a couple Alabama fans, and, and they are in mourning today. Tennessee, Tennessee beat them yesterday. Um, you guys should look happier than you look. Hockey started this week. Come on. You guys just need to take a deep breath, put a smile on your face. We are discovering God's purpose and plan for our lives today. And I want everybody just to, to, to think about what Jesus is inviting us to in this passage. He's saying, I want you to produce fruit. And the first thing that you gotta do if you wanna produce fruit is you gotta be connected to me. I love this passage because Jesus doesn't say, I've appointed you to go and produce fruit, so get out there and get to work. He says, your job is not actually to produce the fruit. I'll produce the fruit. You just stay connected to me. And for some of us, we need to hear this, that Jesus is inviting us not to a religion. Some of you have approached the Christian faith or when you think about the Christian faith, you think about it as religion. You think about it as, as this list of religious duties and obligations that you're gonna check off a list and say, I've done my religious activity and I just want you to know if that's your approach to the Christian faith, you're getting it wrong. Jesus did not come to say, here's a list of religious activities, please check them all off. Jesus does not invite us into religion. He invites us into relationship. He invites us into fellowship. In this passage, he invites us into friendship. He wants us to be intimate with him, to be close to him, to have communion with him. 
And some of us need to hear that today because we are approaching our religious uh, engagement as if it is a religious activity that we are to check off a list. And I want to just encourage you, come back to relationship. Jesus is after intimacy with you. So the first thing that's a part of a fruitful life is this idea of connection. We have to walk in fellowship with Jesus. Secondly, we have to have nourishment in our lives. Nourishment in our lives. Look at verse seven. Verse seven says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. I like the way the message translation says it. It says, my words need to find a home in you. Some of us are approaching the word of God as, again, just a a thing we check off the list to say, I got that done today. And that's not what Jesus is inviting us to. Jesus is saying, I want to take my words and I want you to put them inside of you. I want them to be chewed on and thought about and meditated on. I want them to become a part of your life so that they are actually in you. I want my words to find a home in your life so that when you get out there in the world and you're encountering issues and challenges and difficulties, you'll have something that's on the inside of you that can actually nourish you in that place. We have to have connection. We have to walk with Jesus. We have to have nourishment where we are putting the word of God into our lives. And then the third thing that I think Jesus talks about, which is a key to the fruitful life, is this idea of pruning. And he talks about it in verse two. And he talks about two kinds of pruning in verse two. And we're gonna kind of dig into these uh, here over these next couple of minutes. It says in verse two, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. I think there are actually a couple different types of pruning that Jesus does. And and I'm gonna just talk to you kind of in in three kind of uh, terms. I think there's an ultimate pruning that Jesus does where he just cuts off the fruitless branches, the ones that are dead wood, and he puts them aside and they get gathered in a pile and burned by fire. That sounds encouraging, doesn't it? So let's just set that one aside for a minute. We'll come back to that in a moment. Because I think there's there's pruning Jesus would like to do in our lives before that ever becomes a reality because that's not what Jesus ever wants for any of us. Jesus' goal for our lives is that we would bear fruit that would last. And in order to to produce that kind of fruit and not end up in the burn pile, he does this other kind of pruning. And the first kind of pruning is what I call pruning for holiness. And this is the easiest kind of pruning for us to maybe come to terms with. This is where there's something in our lives that cuts across the grain of God's character and God's nature. And God comes into our lives and says, that doesn't please me. It doesn't line up with my word. It doesn't match up with my character. So I'm going to need to cut that out of your life. And some of you need to hear this because there's a pattern of behavior in your life that cuts across the grain of God's character and nature today. You find yourself in a situation where you can't stop looking at those images on your device. 
and you know that God wants you to stop looking at them, but you can't seem to stay away from it. And you keep returning to that over and over and over again. And, and God is trying to say to you, that cuts across the grain of my character and my nature, and I want that out of your life. For some of you, it might not be as blatant as that. For some of you, it's that, that, that thing that you do sometimes where you make those snide, critical comments that cut to the heart of people. And maybe you don't intend to do it, but you get in those conversations and you become critical and you become, you become intense toward people and you hurt them with your words. And God might be drawing a circle around that in your life and saying, that right there, I need that cut out of your life. Because these things, anything that cuts across the grain of God's character and God's nature in our lives keep us from being holy. And we could go on and on and talk about all of the kinds of things that might cut across the grain of God's character and nature that might be in our lives today. But I want to just encourage you, if you're here today and you find yourself with things in your life, like entertainment choices, like what do you watch on streaming services? And would God want to watch it with you? I'm not, I'm not putting any laws on anybody this morning. I'm just saying, what if we just listen to what God was saying, where God said that right there, whatever that is, I need that out of your life. And would you be willing in that moment to let God prune you so you could be holy? There's another kind of pruning, which I think is actually harder for us to discern and figure out. And this is when God says, that good thing right there, I want to cut that out of your life. That's the hard kind of pruning from my perspective. I mean, when God says, hey, that's wrong, I mean, I might want to fight a little bit because I like that thing. But, but at the end of the day, I can just go, yeah, that's wrong. That goes against the character of God. But, but sometimes there are things that God has blessed us with, good things he has given to us. And for whatever reason, he says, that thing right there, I need that. And whenever I think about this kind of pruning, I think about Abraham in Genesis 22. Remember, God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to give you a son. And then it takes a quarter of a century for the son to be born. 25 years, Abraham waits for this promise, and he's got this son, Isaac, and Isaac's now getting close to the preteen years. And God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son that you love. And that's exactly how God says it. Your son, your only son, the son you love, and I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham goes on a three-day journey builds an altar, and lays his son on the altar to sacrifice him. Why would God ever ask us to sacrifice a blessing that came from his hand? I'll confess that there are some times when I don't know the answer to that question. I just have to trust that his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And, and I just have to trust and depend on him that he knows what he's doing. But many times when God asks us to lay down something that is good, 
Sometimes even things that came from his hand. He's doing that because we've taken that promise and we've elevated the promise above the promise keeper. We've taken the blessing and we've elevated that over the God who gave the blessing. And God has to, from time to time in our lives, make sure that he is still God in our lives. That, that, that there, when there are other things that are good, even things from his hand that become, become things that are vying for number one in our lives, sometimes God needs to just know, can, can you give that up for me? Sometimes it's because God is trying to make sure that we are not containing his blessings, but we're sharing them. So sometimes he'll come and he'll say, that thing that I gave you, I need you to give that to someone else. Because at the end of the day, we are never owners of anything. We might possess some things, but just because it's in our possession doesn't mean we own it. If we belong to God, we understand that God owns it all. And he can do whatever he wants with anything that's in our hands at any time. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself like hoarding my things, right? I liked what Jessica said earlier. I'm not a hoarder, I'm a keeper, right? Like, yeah. Sometimes we hold on to things and God, God never wants us to have this posture. He always wants us to have this one. God, it's it's open-handed. You can take anything that you've given to me and do whatever you want to do with it. And sometimes God is saying that, that bad thing in your life, I need to cut that out. That's, that's the easier pruning, I think. But when God says that good thing, that blessing, I need to get rid of that in your life so that I know I am still God. Now, here's what I want you to know about pruning for holiness and pruning to make sure God's number one in our lives is that if we remain open to that pruning, we will produce more fruit for the glory of God. But if we push away from that pruning, and if we, if we just say, no, God, I, I'm not interested in that. That's a good thing. I like that thing. Or we rationalize why we should be able to hold on to that bad thing in our lives, right? I'm just, it's just a stressful time right now, God. I just need to have a good release valve. And we make all kinds of arguments with God to hold on to our bad things or why we should keep the good things. And if we resist the pruning, I'm telling you right now, it starts to pull away your connection. When, when you don't follow the commands of God in your life, you are messing with your friendship with God. Because if God's asking you to lay something down and you refuse to lay it down, at some point, the friendship gets hurt, it gets harmed. And all God wants for us is to stay connected to him, nourished by his word and responsive to his pruning so that we can produce the maximum amount of fruit in our lives. The fruit of looking just like Jesus and the fruit of influencing other people for him. And what's the end result of all of that? God will be shown to the world around us. 
That's what he says in this passage of scripture. He says that when we produce the kind of fruit that we are called to produce, we will be true disciples and it will bring great glory to my father. In other words, God will be lifted up and the world will be pointed to see who he is. How will they know who God is? They will know who God is by his people. This is our mission to bear fruit for Jesus Christ, fruit of character and fruit of influence so that God gets lifted up in this world and they look at us and they don't see us anymore. They start to see the God that we love and the God that we serve. And this is what God wants to do with his people in this day. He wants to so transform us that when we walk into difficult situations, People see the character of Christ. People will start looking at you and they'll say, in this chaotic world, how come you're so peaceful? And you get an opportunity to tell them about the one who gives you peace. Or you'll walk into situations where you're asked to compromise your convictions, just to, to cheat a little bit, to increase the profit. And you'll have a decision to make in that moment of whether you're going to be true to your convictions or not. And if you're true to your convictions, it might cost you, but you will be representing Christ well in that moment. To walk into seasons of life where you get a bad report from the doctor and, and it doesn't look like any good news is coming on that front in your life. And, and for some people, it throws them off kilter and their life spirals out of control. But for people who remain in Jesus, there's this peace that passes all understanding and there's this presence that holds you up in the middle of that. And people see that and they wanna know what makes you different. And you get an opportunity to tell them about the hope that you have that is within you. Listen, God has called you to produce fruit for him. He wants to make you look like Jesus. And he wants you to influence others for him. And if you will stay connected to him, if you will be nourished by his word, and if you will remain open and responsive to his pruning work in your life, you will produce fruit. But let's be clear about it. Jesus is so committed to this, this idea that we would produce fruit that he actually says to his disciples, the, the people who don't, those are the people that they just, they're dead wood. They get cut off. This is not Jesus threatening. He's not like revving the chainsaw while he's saying this. He's just saying, this is how important it is that you bear fruit because this is what you were created for. And he's just inviting us to live the life that we are called to live. And he's inviting every single one of us into that today. Would we be the kind of people that would stay connected, nourished, and open to his pruning at a moment's notice so that we can bear all of the fruit that he intends for us to bear? This is his call. And so as we bring this series to a close, I wanna give us an opportunity this morning just to respond to what God is doing uh, in our lives. And there are some of you here in this place today and, and you're followers of Jesus. You've been walking with Jesus and living for Jesus. But today, maybe there's just been a, a challenge in your heart. Are you walking with him as closely as you need to? Are you receiving the nourishment of his word into your life? 
are there things he's trying to prune out of you and you just have maybe been resistant and he's inviting you to be responsive today. So this morning, what I'd love to do is just have us all bow our heads and close our eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. I just really want you in this moment to consider where you stand with God today. I just want you to think about your walk with him. If you are already in a relationship with Jesus today, is your life fruitful? Are you growing in character? Are you growing to look more and more like Jesus? Do you find him using you in new and fresh ways to influence other people towards him? And if not, Where do you find yourself lacking today? Is it in connection? Is it in nourishment? Or is it related to this idea of pruning? If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and you say, you know what, I need to remain in him and have him remain in me. And I, I sense that I need to be connected at a deeper level, whether it's intimacy with him, walking with him, nourishment from his word, or pruning that he is doing in your life. If you sense that this morning, would you just raise your hand and say, I want to, to be fruitful. And I sense that I need something in my life to make, to make me closer to him more available to him. Just raise your hand high and keep it up because I want to pray for you in just a moment. Yeah, Hands up all over the room. God, I just want to pray for everybody right now whose hand is raised, people who are already in relationship with you. God, whatever it is that they need today, maybe maybe it's to lay down religion and pick up relationship. Would you do that work right now? Would you draw close to these people as they draw close to you? God, maybe it's nourishment. Maybe, maybe they've been reading the word of God as just an activity that they check off a list and I would ask them, I would ask you, God, to meet them in the scriptures and let them be the very words of God to their soul. And God, for some people, maybe it's just learning to open the word of God on a daily basis. Would you put within them a fresh desire to be in the word of God, to hear your voice? And God, I suspect that there are people in this room today who have sensed that you are calling them to a work of pruning. There are things in their life that do not honor you and you're asking them to lay them down. So I pray right now that you would help them to confess those areas. to release them to you in this moment. And we stand upon your word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You will forgive us of our sins and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So right now, God, I'm asking you to meet these people in their confession with forgiveness and grace and power to set them free. And God, there are others who you are pruning good things from their life. It's the blessings, the the positive things that you have given to them. And for whatever reason, God, you're asking them to lay them down. I pray that you would meet them in that place and remind them that there is nothing better than you.
There is nothing better than you. And so whatever we're laying down, we're laying it down for you. And we just want less of us and more of you. Meet them there, God, I pray. And Lord, I pray that you would take these people whose hands are raised and I pray that you would just breathe new life into them and produce the fruit of character and influence through their lives in the upcoming days and weeks and months. You can put your hands down. I want you to stay in this moment of prayer because there may be people in this room today or people who are joining us online who have never, ever made a commitment to follow Jesus. They've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. And I want to just give you an opportunity, if you've never done that, to do that today because God's plan for your life is the same as it is for the rest of us, that we would all produce fruit, fruit of character and fruit of influence, but that all begins by entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you've never made a commitment to follow him with all of your life, I want to give you a chance to do that. And I'm just going to ask you to do this privately and personally. No one's going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out or draw attention to you. I just want you to raise your hand, acknowledging that you are making that commitment today. I just want you to raise your hand up high if that's you. I see people raising their hands. Anybody else, just raise it up high. For those of you who raised your hands or in this moment are making a commitment to Christ, I want you just to pray this prayer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and I just want you to, to pray with me. And you can pray it there where you sit. You can pray it out loud or silently. It doesn't matter. I just want you to pray this prayer from your heart. God, I thank you that you are inviting me into a relationship with you. Thank you for the work of Jesus Christ who made it possible for me to become a child of God. God, in this moment, I put my faith and my trust in you. And I receive the work that you are doing in my life to forgive me of my sins, to make me a brand new creation and to welcome me into the family of God. God, I receive your gift of grace today and from this point forward, help me to remain in you and to produce the fruit that you want to produce in my life. God, I give you my life today and I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, there are people in the room who just made a commitment to Jesus Christ, and I want us just to celebrate what God has done and to welcome them into the family of God. I hope that your love for Jesus has been rekindled in this series. Uh, I'll confess, when I woke up this morning, uh, I was excited to share this message, but a little sad, because this series has been good for my own spiritual life. It has helped me love Jesus more. 
as I've just spent time listening to the conversations he has with people, I've just been reminded of just how wonderful he is. And I hope that that's true for you. And I hope that that doesn't end with this series. I hope we just keep loving Jesus more and more and more as we follow him and seek to live for him. So I want to invite you to stand together this morning as we close this service. I want to just send you out with good words that you hopefully can take with you as you leave from this place. So my brothers and sisters, as you go from this place today, may you go knowing that Jesus Christ is with you. He came to save you. He came to redeem you. He came to change your life. And he promises to go with you until the end of this age. So go in his name and in the power that he offers. You are sent out from this place.